Don't listen to this episode if you're sensitive to MUN mentions. I think on our, on, our, on our last episode, it was suggested for us to have some kind of drinking game where you say certain words. And then I think that thing got twisted into an acid dropping game, which, <laughs> yeah. Although undoubtedly fun, I don't think you get like very far talking about EYP while on acid. I guess it inspires creativity. This morning, I woke up really early. On the boat, because I was coming back from Sweden. And that shit arrives to the pier way too fucking early for my test. So when you say you wake up on the boat, were you driving the boat? Just checking. <laughs> Could Only in spirit. In spirit, okay. He was informed after he woke up that he was supposed to be driving the boat. Yeah. <laughs> no one told him beforehand. It's a shame for all the ducks I squished, but... I think Aww. everything else went pretty well. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think you're a good boat driver. I, 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 I've seen him drive a boat before. Wait, really? Yeah. So you're able to drive. Oh, that's that's why the question was, why were you driving? I was like, I don't know what this guy does in his free time. <laughs> yeah, he, he drives a boat, a little boat. It's a cute boat. And oh, that then... sounded just a little condescending. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, once, and once he was meant to like drive me on the boat, but then uh, a massive storm came. And it was like, oh, crap, <laughs> are we going to actually get back to Finland <laughs> in time for me to catch my flight? And it was like, just, I just made it. I like the storm. There was a massive thunderstorm and it's a little boat and like the waves are going way more than the boat. And then you're like, yeah, we're not going to go through that. That's not going to end up in a happy place if we did that. And so we're like, OK, let's let's just wait out the night wait out the storm and just hope early in the morning that it's okay-ish weather that we can actually go across and it somehow cleared up exactly at the last possible time that we could and then we went across and i still made my flight that's serendipity like that that was the gods looking down on you and saying all right you can have this one yeah the gods of budget airlines <laughs> i have prayed to them many times before <laughs> and after sessions <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> at least I've never lost my luggage. That's something that happened at the Novi Sad sessions. Like, I think it was several people all going through Vienna Airport who all had their luggage either rerouted to a different country or just you know lost. Just oops, we lost our luggage. See see where you get it next. Like, not great when you're coming to to not the warmest country in the world for an eight day session, but. It ended up fine, I think. Yeah, no, it ended up fine. <laughs> I mean, they just borrow clothes from other people, right? I mean, I guess. I know that one time someone actually went out and bought, like, five sets of clothes because she was told, like, hey, the airline's not going to get your, ba your bag back the coming days, and she had to go and raid an H&M before general team building that. If you got good insurance, it's going to cover that. Yeah. Check they, your terms. They, they should... They should cover it kind of no matter, even without the insurance stuff. I, I had it, I was going to, so I was going to Burning Man. And so for Burning Man, which is a festival in the desert, you know. Just flexing. You have to bring everything with you. You have to bring your own equipment for everything. And it's pure hardcore survival. And so I had everything in that bag and they lost my luggage on my way there. 
So then I was like, oh shit, this thing starts tomorrow and I'm going to be hopeless. I'm going to die in the desert. You just had the clothes on your back Literally. and a whole, and a head full of dreams. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's how I often arrive to EYP sessions. So I'm sure that's how you did burning. But did you actually get it back sometime? No. <laughs> so they, they, they told me, oh, it's, it's been delayed. We've got your luggage. We're going to send it to you at this time. Cool. They didn't send me at that time. They're like, oh, we're going to send it to you this afternoon. Okay. We're going to send it to you tomorrow morning. I'm like, tomorrow morning's my bus to go out to the desert. Like, okay, well, I'm just not going to get that bus. I'll try to find another way to get there and I'll just wait for it. And then they like, it never arrived. And it was me and two other friends and I was waiting for all of our stuff. <laughs> and so they left, they went without me and I'm there just like waiting for our stuff and but never arrived. So then I was like, okay, I got a credit card. Let's just go thrift shopping and just buy all the stuff I think clothes for me and for them and whatever i think and then somehow find a lift or somehow find my way eight hours drive into the desert eight hours you can cross my country twice in that time well i hope you had a good time at burning man then without clothes or a pocket knife i don't know what you need at burning man you make it sound like this survivalist like it is it's like it's desert so you, you need like something really good to like cover your mouth uh because of all the dust if not you're going to be eating dust all day long and it's really bad for your lungs you need to make sure you've got lights all over your body at night if not you're gonna be run over by people <laughs> you need like special like camel backs to kind of carry water with you at all times because you're living in a desert you know <laughs> like specialist <laughs> desert shit you need why did you go in? <laughs> no offense, but this sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a saying there. We say it's just camping. <laughs> That's like a joke because it's so is not. <laughs> you're eating dust and sand, losing clothes left and right, and you're like, awesome. I love this. I guess this is how people feel when I say, tell them that I go and sleep on a school gym floor for a regional selection conference. They're like, all right. I would prefer a hotel, but to each their own. Navi said, was that gymnasium floor or did you guys have hotels or hotels? No, no, it was was a couple of steps upwards from there. Okay, that's good. (laughs) It was a hotel, thank God. Hey, like hotel, not hostel. Yeah, exactly. I was pleasantly surprised. That is stepping up a notch. Damn. Yeah, because my first experience with EYP was definitely like a 50-person hostel room. That was 20. 50, yes. Yes. In a hostel that is now bankrupt. Thank God, because... Because of the session? No, no. The pandemic. It's (laughs) slightly bigger than EYP. No, we. that's a terrible hostel in Rotterdam that EYP the Netherlands did keep coming back to, because... They were affordable, <laughs> but it was such a shitty hostel. It didn't have air conditioning, and we were there once when it was like 30 degrees Celsius, and you're like sleeping with 50 people in one room. You know what that does to the room temperature? <laughs> but yeah, they went bankrupt, so, so now it's just good memories. <laughs> good shit. But I mean, I've heard of uh, EYP Finland sessions where they... It's not just sleeping on the gym floor, which is, you know, classic UIP. There was also a very early morning trek through snow to the venue. Walking transfers. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get one husky sled for them. Do you have any idea how much huskies cost? More than reindeers? I mean, if, if you got, so I'm sorry, if you got like, let's just say a dozen reindeers, 
forming two lines. That's a lot of reindeer. <laughs> put a big chariot behind and get one of the augers to dress up in red and carry everyone's luggage on it, you know, in nice big red bags for the Lapland session. It would be inconspicuous. We weren't there, so for all we know, that is exactly how they did all the transfers. <laughs> Imagine that Santa sleigh everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah, but do you know how big reindeer are? Like, it's very hard to fit them in that material box. <laughs> you need a bit more than a box or a storage locker for that. <laughs> it's okay. You just go to the forest and get them. That's why they're also probably cheaper than the huskies. You could just find them in the forest. <laughs> just harvest them. Find them in the wild. Let's just go collect some reindeer for the transfers. It's like fundraising, but different. <laughs> <laughs> some NCs might get a car. Not Finland. They're special. I mean, the Netherlands had an actual transfer by bike, which I... Pro- as a Dutch person, I was very surprised because you know how difficult it is to lead, I mean, any kind of group in EYP doing a transfer, but then add bikes to all of them. And they did it successfully. They got there. But then you just add some random, I don't know, Turkish people that just have no bike bicycles in the entire country. This is, I've never seen a bicycle. It's like, well, time to learn. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. <laughs> exactly. We're transferring in five minutes. You have five minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, but word transferring in five minutes is always a lie in UYP, right? So it's, they, they have some more time to learn how to ride a bike. You have time to go to the bike shop to get those, like, children's side wheels. <laughs> is that what they're called? I don't know. We just call them an embarrassment, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> it's not okay to use them after the age of seven. So you go to the shop and, like, do you want anything else on your bike? Can I have an embarrassment, please? <laughs> I like that. A set of embarrassments. A set of embarrassments, yes. <laughs> Preferably in pink. <laughs> can I also have a sign that I can hang around my neck that says embarrassment? Oh, well, that costs extra. Oh, sorry, never mind. <laughs> or just have like L plates, you know, learner plates to put on your bike so people know you're learning. We actually don't have learner plates in the Netherlands, so like when you, you just, just die like men. <laughs> no, no, you have to pass your exam and then you're... Uh, Oh, no, wait, your driver's license says that you're a learner, but not your car. Ah, okay. Come to think of it, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. I got the other hand. I think it might be more damage to the traffic if everyone just kept on being scared of the learning car. Just go around acting, them in a big... <laughs> acting weirdly. Then, then you don't just have to be afraid that there's going to be one learner in there. You're going to have to be afraid of every single driver acting weirdly because there's one learner. It's like one. It's like a game of Among Us. <laughs> you don't know who's the imposter. But you're also driving at 120 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, moving back a bit to Novi's sad since you mentioned it earlier on. So as a bit of context, um, like Joel will know um, the amount of episodes on here where I shit all over ISs. like it is just episode after episode where i just tear into them and complain and say that they are not a good format for a session and how i i try my best to refuse to do them until being forced (laughs) each time and so uh, on that note how was your novisad experience as a non as a non-loaded, very open question. As, as, as no expectations, but how was that 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 absolute pathetic excuse of a session? 
No. Um, thanks for asking that non-loaded, objective, interesting question. It was it was actually a lot of fun, but I think I see what you mean when you say like ISs are. I, I see where the criticism comes from, but I think it's it's a lot of the time it's the people that make the session right. So I was just so happy to actually be with people in the same room <laughs> while doing a session. That's a it's been a rarity during during the pandemic. And well, actually, I think you know very well one of my VPs. So it was absolutely lovely to just have a week doing a session but also catching up with friends and having a good time with them you know but i see what you mean ISs are it's a different animal in the uip sphere so what do you find different about this animal it's well i mean it's it's bigger <laughs> cue that's what she said <laughs> I, th- I think it's the the pressure that you get from the international governance system for sure I think because I actually recently did an IF like you Joel I did an, it's an IF let's be real it's like everything that an IS is minus all of the governance involvement and even like the NCs tend to be very hands-off with IFs because they're like it takes two years to organize and a board is on for a year so they're like Okay, you do your thing. HOs can HO. So I like the the freedom that comes with with doing an IF or like being able to say, what if you just don't do it this way and you don't have to run it past anyone? You just agree as a group that you're gonna do it differently. Done. But tell me more about why you don't don't like ISs because. I figured because I started listening a while back to this podcast and then I was like, wait, I'm invited. I'm going to, I'm not going to be clouded by like how other people do it. Like I want to go into this episode because <laughs> you know, you invited me a long time ago and I responded a less long time ago. Uh, so I was like, no, I'm going to like completely like come in here, clean slate, blank piece of paper. So tell me, what do you dislike about ISs? Definitely. One of the points I already hit on there is the extra bureaucracy on top where so many stakeholders get involved and are involved in a level that they may not need to be involved as in there are some decisions for example that you wouldn't always go through the HOs or the NC to make in a session so let's say you decide you know what actually within the committee work we just want to change one structural thing in which the first the first three hours of committee work are going to look slightly different um that would normally be the board and the chairs team kind of having a chat together and deciding yeah this is cool and then yeah maybe you know informing the nc or informing the hos to be like oh yeah this is something cool happening here but with an is you wouldn't do that stuff unless you've got every single stakeholders kind of buy in and presented it to everyone and everyone sat down and criticized it and put in their own kind of thing into it into everyone's business constantly so that definitely but also so for, for me my first distaste for it was Tbilisi 2013 when a lot of the chess team i i loved them as individuals i knew them in previous sessions but i did not like you them know it's gonna session. be terrible when someone says i love them as individuals <laughs> as individuals but in that team, I did not. I could not. There was only one person from that chess team that I could get on with, and that was Chamakina, and she was still herself, and she was still awesome. But the rest of the chess team, I, I, I kind of felt as if people were like, I'm an IS chair now. I'm too good for this. I'm not going to hang out with the media team. I'm an IS chair. Oh, delegates. Of course. Well, they wouldn't lower themselves to the level of a delegate or a media team member. How how very dare you ask that of them? You, you always had to. And I, 
people would always like big themselves up for everything and kind of really show off all their new methods and stuff like this. And I'm like, I just, I just want to have some fun and I just want to connect with people. And yeah, I'm going to do some like weird shit, but like, I'm just doing some weird shit full stop. You know, I'm not doing weird shit to try to then show off to other people to kind of show, oh, I have IS chair right now. Each kind of IS I went to, there was, I did get that feeling, not, not always in the same way. Tbilisi for me was the worst for the, for that kind of way. But each time I did get this feeling that whenever somebody went to there, they're like, oh, I've made it. And I, I, I didn't really kind of get on well with that feeling. Yeah. I, that's to me, even related to this bigger issue. So you, for you, it's very much focused on ISs, right? Like ISs inspired this particular attitude, which I think I agree, but in Novisab because there's just no one who wanted to do an IS or chair anything in the network. It was very much people who were happy to be there and like grateful for the position and more like uncertain if they were ready for the position rather than they were being like big headed and like, oh, like, fuck you guys. I'm better than everyone. But I connect this to the ladder climbing issue in EYP as have you have you heard it phrased in this way? Like the how in EYP you're so I see Joel nodding. It's I think it was an EYP discussions post a whole thing. It's like this the the idea that in order to be a good EYPer, you have to first climb the ladder. You have to be a chairperson four times and then you're allowed to be a VP once and then maybe a VP a second time and then maybe you chair bigger bigger IS or IF and then maybe you do like it's this very like hierarchical and on top of this, right? The ladders that are academic team and organizing and media team, they're also hierarch- hierarchical. So there's first you maybe try a media team position and then maybe you might be good enough for a chair's position. Whereas like, it's bullshit. (laughs) Let's be real. As a chairperson, you engage with different people, different things. It engages different skills. And then, I don't know, we've all gotten very stuck in this path of you chair, then you VP, then you preside, and then you're better than everyone else. (laughs) Then you preside on IS and then that's the last session you'll ever do. And then you're better than everyone else for sure. Of course, yeah. neutrally, objectively, of course. So... <laughs> because that, that that's the ultimate that you've reached the top part of the ladder. There's nowhere to go. Like that's it. Exactly. Then you can just be like that cat meme with the laser eyes. That's like I see no god up here except for me. <laughs> that's <laughs> me now. How yeah? How, how does it feel being that cat with laser eyes? It's it's kind of lonely at the top. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's weird. I don't, I see myself, I don't see myself as a proper IS president. I don't know why. Like when I think of IS presidents, I think of all the older people and the people who were like my president. And I'm, I'm looking at myself like, who allowed me to be in charge of anything? Like, who, who put me there? I sent this to the HOs and the HOs were like, we put you there. And I'm like, bad decision. All of us were just like, yeah, who put us here? Like, who made us do this unsupervised, very, very strange decision? But I have been thinking a lot about, because people tend to to quit after after this kind of a position. And I was like, oh, am I not just quitting EYP? Because I'm like, oh, that's just what you do after, after presiding an IS. But then someone was talking the other day, a friend of mine was talking about how they were like getting started on the board work and like, discussing with their VPs doing something I was just like I felt bone tired thinking about doing that again I was like oh it's 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 okay I've done it I want to sleep (laughs) 
Joel, Joel, you seem to have your reservations about this. You don't, you don't vibe with that? No, I, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't cross that barrier yet. That's nice. I love that. I mean, I've crossed the barrier of not have a limited amount of, not limited number of vacation days I have in a year. <laughs> That's a bit of a problem, but you know, it's, I don't know. This is, I, I, every time I start that process of like, okay, well, I started work with a new board and built the entire team, you just, I, I end up encountering so many people. It's like, I want to interact with this person in this way. Oh, yeah. And that's why YP keeps dragging me back in. Of I still want to really do this because there's so many, it, it, every session that happens. Yeah, but that's something that I've, I, I, I don't know who I discussed this with the other day, but that's, the, if you don't have that feeling yet, if you're still like, oh yes, like let's get started with this team, then whether you're 19 or, or 26, like go for another session. I think that's, that's exactly what motivates people to do their best for a session, you know, to make sure that it's really a good one. But it's also the flip side of that also exists of people presiding sessions are doing these big positions where they just don't have the energy to do it anymore. They don't have to drive and they still do it. And you hear about it and then you see them being announced as another president of something. And it's like, why the fuck are you taking this opportunity away from people that would actually do a good job? Instead of you being there reading your closing ceremony speech that you wrote for a previous session because you couldn't be fucking bothered. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you mean. They're like, dear delegates. Oh, no, wait. The classic president speech that's like, and thank you to the most important people of the session. You. <laughs> Shock factor. No, but I see what you mean. I, I even... The most important person in the session. Thank you, me. Everyone clap. <laughs> I did so much work for this session. Thank you for appreciating <laughs> oh this. Yeah, that you should, somebody should do a thank you speech to themselves and just call it self love. <laughs> it's called the welfare policy. Get acquainted with it. I'm taking care of myself. Exactly. <laughs> just like that meme of Obama putting a medal on Obama. You know, <laughs> that's quite literally all the leadership speeches at a closing ceremony. Like they're all putting the medal on themselves and for good reason. <laughs> it's more like they're in a circle, one putting it on the other person in front to make sure that everyone. <laughs> but we're all Obama. <laughs> in a way, aren't we all Obama? Did you use that in your speech? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I did. Oh, that's so funny. I actually did try and plan out my like last speech ever in EYP because I was like, that's going to be a good one. And I was writing it. Of course, you're writing it what, in like the second last debate of the session. <laughs> like you're never writing that shit beforehand. I was writing it. And I was like, oh, my God, all of this sounds like pretentious bullshit. Like I can't. I can't in good faith do this. That's why I don't write speech. <laughs> you just wing it completely? I usually have a post no, post-it with like five words on it. It's like this is what I want to cover. And then I just no. it. And he just your, does your Pinterest board. <laughs> he just does really long dramatic pauses between each of the five words. <laughs> that is a Joel speech. I don't know if you've ever seen one. They're amazing. Like people are on the edge of their seats, not not because of suspense, because they're like, is he done? <laughs> Have you also spelled out the words sometimes? <laughs> <You just> go, <laughs> e. 
And then eventually you get to the G of team building and you're like, thank you for your attention. But returning to the point that you made about doing, like you were frustrated with presidents that were like, that should admit to themselves that they're done with EYP, but they keep doing sessions. I raise you the issue of people doing so many sessions in a row that by the time they have done one month of sessions, it's like my entire session history, you know, in terms of their, and you just like, you wonder what you learn from each session. If you do one every, every one and a half week. You you learn that at some point your body breaks down and you get ill every time they fall ill. Yeah. Sooner or later. Sometimes it, it takes them a while to realize I did that. <laughs> it was about to say, I can't, I can't deny that I did like monthly sessions. But now yeah. I've grown. I'm like a Zen yeah. person. We, we learned from our mistake. I was young and reckless. Uh, <laughs> my record was 14 sessions in 12 months. See, it's it's idiots like these. And, <laughs> and the majority of those were as president. So like, that was a lot. And one of them was like VPing in IS and single chairing. Wait. Yes. Oh, in the time that, yeah, VPs chaired as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. The cursed times. The that cursed we times. don't talk about Bruno, except we don't talk about <laughs> non-floating VPs. <laughs> but so, that's also how you recognize an older EYP, right? If they do a session announcement and they say... We're looking for three non-floating uh, VPs. You're like, oh, sweetie, it's common practice now. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder when the last session was that had chairing VPs. Uh, I th- well, for, for Rise 2016, we had. Uh, it wasn't just chairing VPs. Each of us, each of us VP had our sing- had our committee, and we were the only chairperson for that committee. Nathan, that was six years ago. We get with the times. Oh my god, that was. This is EYP. Things move way faster than that. Constantly evolving. <laughs> but that sounds like a hell year. 14 sessions. Tell me one of them was like maybe a GA day? Like school session? Nope. Ooh. That was just a lot. That was a lot that year. But that was that, that was fun. Especially when you like preside one and then you fly straight from that session to the next place and stay at someone's place for like three four days and then you preside the next one and then same thing again the following week i think i had three in three weeks or something like that my, my worst was i was head of during a, no i was vice presiding a session and then i flew from the ga day straight into the cmo for another <laughs> <gasps> there was nothing <laughs> oh my gosh it's like an overnight flight you know <laughs> You were like, can the flight be a bit longer? Like, just do another round over the city before we land. I just need an hour, hour of sleep. And I thought I was bad, or it was bad when I was writing a topic overview during the resolution typing process of another session. I was like, no, no, can we just, can, can you just accept the changes for this resolution? I have an hour to finish this other TO. <laughs> I think my evaluation may or may not have said that I should do fewer sessions. <laughs> like that... That that phrase can mean many things. <laughs> you know, this person should probably rethink doing sessions in UIP. For the this person is going places far away from me, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I wish you could be that honest in evaluations, but just the fact that it's on the member platform for four years and there's going to be selection panels looking at your snarky comments for four years, I, it just makes me feel that a little bit, so... <laughs> I've done that. Speak for yourself, woman. (laughs) 
I mean... Are we going to redact the evaluation part? Bleep, 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 bleep. If... If someone in your team made your life as a leader a living hell... Those are some strong words. And not talking about it a specific person. Then then I feel like that that is something that, you know, should be in the evolution. Yeah, no, of course. But, like, not in the way that you're, like, I don't know, a high school bully. Like, cyberbullying a 14-year-old kid. But, like, in a way of, like, this person was objectively bad for team building. Like, that's not a bad thing to say. <laughs> or I may have, I may have done some evaluations badly. <laughs> I mean, some some people would like to use evaluations for justice. Like, I'm not going to go into the story here because I already did it before. But like, I, I I had that before where somebody wanted to literally use a personal issue between us to give me a really bad thing. So I we've been talking about that a lot. We should actually go and make that episode about the evolution. Yeah, we should. It would be an, a spicy episode, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> like back in the day of Rex. I remember those days where, <clears throat> like, it's funny that those days because if you were gonna preside a, a national session that person would most have certainly have chaired an is first because only is chairs would be allowed to write recommendations and the nc would want their members to have as many recommendations as possible so as much as possible the nc try, or would always try to get a president who had already chaired an is in order for them to be able to give recommendations it the was a politics fun. behind this yes welcome to you wp we're like we're non-partisan youth organization feedback-based volunteer-led we don't we don't do nepotism <laughs> wink wink <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the recommendation system changed a while ago no that's a yeah, she that's... she has been gone for a while I think that was probably like 2014, 2015 change, something around there. That's when I started EYP. That's not that's not that long ago, is it? <laughs> yeah, it must have been like 15, 16. No, 15 sounds good. Yeah, it's around that time. I feel like I should know this, but... Uh, hmm. Recently, I've been having chats with like some other NGOs that I'm trying to get more involved in. Like There's this one really cool called Zero Generation, and they do a lot of like leadership training and training for trainers and this kind of stuff. So they do really, really, really cool, cool stuff. And I was having like a bit of an onboarding kind of chat and we were kind of like comparing a little bit of like what UIP does for knowledge transfer versus like this organization. So like this organization, for example, has had like a training coordinator who looks after a specific training that happens as like a an eight day eight day intense training and they repeat it every year. And it's the same training coordinator who's looked after it for the past six years to ensure continuation, to make sure that you do something once and you do the same thing, but you make slight changes based on the feedback. You do in-depth needs analysis. You kind of, you go through all of those kind of in-depth and like they said, they said, yeah, well, the thing is what we don't want to do is to just change the people every year, because if you just go through and say, okay, this year we have these people working this stuff and the next year that's going to change next year that's going to change. Then you have a complete loss of knowledge transfer. And I was like, yeah, well, for us, it's not really each year it's every session. <laughs> She's like, how do you have knowledge transfer? Like, we don't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that, that's not correct. We set up a whole PDF after after training, and then we put it on the member platform, <laughs> or just you know, distribute it on USB sticks. You text it to one of your friends who happens to be presiding a session next week, and that's a pff, transfer of knowledge right there. 
buddy. Literally what happens. Oh, for example, with with like with one of their trainings to do is called LSS, is Leadership Summer School. So it's going to happen this summer in July for like two weeks intense boot camp, and for that they actually do four rounds of applications. So they open the first call for participants like in February, March kind of time for people to do the training in July. But they know, you know, people do look look to like kind of book things later on. So they actually have four different time windows. And I think right now they're currently launching the third call. But then in a month or two time, they'll also launch a, a fourth call. And they kind of like bring in batches that way. And it's like, I'm like I'm looking at all of their stuff and how organized, thinking like, what the hell? <laughs> how do you have... For all like- you listeners of the podcast, the fourth round is opening in just a, just a short month. Be sure to check it out. <laughs> literally but when i started to like look into all that stuff i start to realize that yeah in uip there are so many things we do so so incredibly well but i find i don't know at least for myself when i was in uip it's like we're in uip i'm blindsided and i only see uip standards and what we do in uip and i don't look out any other ngo or how anyone else does things and we do things the EYP way. And most EYP, as I know, only kind of do EYP. Don't kind of like sidestep to other organizations to then bring things in. I've been known to attend an MUN session myself. <laughs> it's a cursed word. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. <laughs> no, but I see what you mean in that, like, you've got the, the, the blinders on that narrow your vision. And you're like, EYP is really cool. What we do is really cool. Our methods are the best. And then... Either because you don't know that there are other organizations or, or because you're just telling yourself like not important. Like it's, it doesn't even it doesn't even warrant looking into. Uh, I, I get it. Like how old are you when you start seriously doing EYP? You know, 17? I man, if I knew what an NGO was at age 16, I would have been surprised. I you do a lot of uh, growing and learning. <laughs> Yeah, and it really and it really goes together with the latter that we were talking about. Like, if the, every opportunity you take uh, applying for something else, you, you could be spending that time to do EYP and getting more recognized and being able to do more EYP. And if if you go to those kinds of different trainer events, like sure you can try to wiggle that knowledge into your application, but no one's going to take it seriously to the point that it would actually benefit you as an EYP or in terms of your chances of doing more sessions you might be better at doing EYP better at doing sessions but it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get that same prestige yeah it so falls together with so I'm I'm actually writing my th- my master's thesis right now using sociology and this theor- theoretical framework on hierarchies which bear with me it's it's somehow relevant but they, in that theoretical framework, they say there's this, you know, field, sociological field. So that can be like your workplace, that's a field, or like your home, like your family, it's a field, or I don't know, the supermarket you walk into. And like within a field, if you are a practitioner, as they call it, like a person who is participating in this field, working in this field, studying whatever you do there, you know the rules of the game, like the local rules without anyone ever having to tell you. There's not a manual that says this is normal in UIP and this is. We can pretend the policies are that, but the policies don't reflect all the the little practices, the little nuances. Um, how are you supposed to, no one tells you how you're supposed to write a session announcement or like a sessions call. You just kind of do it. 
And you learn that by being in the field and by by going to a session and by working in an NC. And so I was thinking about this because obviously my two obsessions currently are the thesis and wrapping up EYP. But if you're a very talented facilitator, team facilitator, that doesn't mean you're a good EYP chairperson because there's a lot more to it than being a facilitator. Even though, let's be real, we like to pretend it's just team facilitation. It's like it's that easy. Like you can just step into it. But there's a lot more things that are that get that come with being in an EYP team that you also have to be aware of. And if you're not, if your behavior shows that you don't know these rules yet, it might be reflected in your evaluation. And then next time you apply to a session, that shit gets in your way. And so it's so interesting how we gatekeep EYP, even though it's a very inclusive and wholesome organization. We're like, there's these rules that you have to stick to and you have to climb the ladder it's very yeah yeah gatekeeping is the only word i can think of <laughs> gatekeep girl boss slay queen i think it's a really great insight for people uh who let's say from novi sad who are reading their really really shitty evaluations for them to kind of then listen to this to be like why did i get such a shitty evaluation when i facilitated my team really well you did not exhibit the behaviors that were expected and that were never told <laughs> But that's it. That's literally it. You can be torn down on not knowing something that, frankly, no one could have told you. <laughs> Sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes a bad evaluation is because you just did badly. By the way, I want to clarify here that I didn't write bad evaluations. As in, I really liked my whole team at, at ISC. <laughs> sure. No, they were, they were such troopers. It was such a challenging session, as I'm sure you can relate. It's just not easy going back to UIP after doing it by a zoom for two years no it's not but i kind of want to catch on to something that nathan was talking about there about how other organizations might do knowledge transfer better i think uyp actually has a pretty decent running with knowledge transfer it's just that we do it in a very limited way instead of doing knowledge knowledge transfer about how to hold trainings year after year in the in a continuous developmental way we have knowledge transfer in what's fire recycle don't forget the disney method yeah it's like we knowledge transfer these very specific things in a very enthusiastic way but then it's don't forget the types of delegates module you have the lion and the turtle and the owl (laughs) that was my favorite Like the the thing is, is is it's very much like Chinese whispers in the sense that it's one person who does some like one person probably started off by actually doing research, actually taking a look at some really great academic papers and building a module from that, and someone takes a look at that. It's like I like that module, I'm gonna do it as well. Take from their notes and then does it, and someone takes looks at that one. And I don't know how many generations that that got to. When was the last time anyone in UIP actually confirmed our FIRO cycle versus what was actually written? In the I feel paper? like I feel like Christopher Tripp may have been active around that time. <laughs> yeah, and it it gets so twisted. I was just thinking about this, especially when it comes to the FIRO cycle slash Tuckman's model, where. You think that you get to the final stage and by going through this, okay, so you have a stage and you have types of team building games you can play in that stage. So people come to the session and they think, okay, so I do this type of a team building game for this stage, this type of a team building game for this stage, etc. And once I've done this final type of a team building game, I'm done. And then you see them doing a conflict game at the end of the day and being happy with how they 
they've managed to build a team. It was like, that is such a fundamental, like, that's fundamentally misunderstanding the Tuckman's model. Triggered me so bad to realize that. <laughs> we're, we're like, I never realized where it's coming from. Like, why are people playing Apical at the end of their team building? It's because they think that's the final step that they reach to the end of fire cycle. Because that's what was listed. <laughs> in that team building module. But don't forget, it's also, right? People have like a two hour delay in their plan. So they really end up playing Abigail at five to six and, and the organizers are knocking on their door at five past six. <laughs> I don't care about your debrief. I have a venue manager about to kick my ass here if you don't leave the building. And it doesn't help. It does not help the, the conflict resolution. But you're right, it's, it's this idea in general as well, that people insist on having a conflict and like they really try to make their delegates fight. And it's like, but it's a three day session. Like how productive is it going to be for them to fight if they they need to be halfway through their resolution already? But yeah, I think it's definitely a game of Chinese whispers as Nathan said of like, you, you just pretend to know things by the fact that you've heard the same module three times by three different people held in slightly different ways with slight incorrect facts in every single one of them and maybe you tried it out have you guys fact checked anything like have you guys gone back to more the academic side of fire for example i actually i actually do that for i'm i'm gonna say most of my modules not all of them if i have good notes from someone but the thing is mostly because I don't trust my own memory. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I need to Google this. I need to see if there's some research backing this up because my brain is not to be trusted on this. So yeah, I actually did end up researching the fire cycle, which is, it looked a little different in EYP. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, what, what I to kind of, I really, the modules that I actually enjoy making these days, I don't so much base them on this kind of academic research anymore. Like when I was trying to make modules a couple of years ago, that's, that's where I would be taking it from. But I don't have the time to properly go through those and just like gazing it over and trying to make a module based on that. That's not really based on academic research. So these days I make module based on my kind of the experience that I've had in EYP and what I think might be the reasons behind that. And then we can have a conversation about the different experiences that the people in the training have had with that. Oh, but then it's actually interesting because then i'm wondering do you think a module is supposed to be like sharing experiences and building on each other or is it like a class like geology are you supposed to learn anything because i feel like I've, I've seen this done differently there are some people who see it as like a teacher presenting something and then there are other people who are like i didn't prepare shit like you guys do the contributions i'm not gonna say which one of the two i am but like do you think it's you seem to to fall in the second category then. I'd say mostly, yeah, but I do kind of enjoy a mix. Like you still need to be able to ensure that there are there is the record bulk of information that is central to it, at least the way you view it, which is, you know, there's, there's no objective view of a training module. Nathan looks really skeptic. I'm really concerned. I'm just listening. <laughs> just taking in the information. And this, I saw that this... I, I, I mistwisted the cable, so I was just unkinking it at the same time. You were, you were doing, you were unkinking it? Uh, unkinking the cable. That's a new Ca- word. The oh. cable was too kinky. <laughs> like, for example, like there, it's, it's kinked. Oh, that's kinky. And now she's vanilla again. Straight as a spaghetti. As a wet spaghetti noodle or a, or a dry one. But I do think it's very interesting because the way that you describe, uh, the way that you shamed people for doing the FiroCycle module, 
I'm not going to lie. My first VP experience, I definitely did it that way. I was like, I was like 500 people into the Chinese whispers line. And I was like, what? You, you, you put them on fire. Okay. okay. Um, you're fired. <laughs> I I'm not saying I was the best VP ever the first time, but you know, that's how you do it the first. That's how you learn. You give a shitty module. That's how you learn, and that's how you end up with burning delegates at the session. <laughs> I literally set them on fire. Suddenly the safe core team is getting involved. <laughs> just because you misinterpreted a fire cycle module. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, talk, I chat shit about it, but yeah, me too. I, I always do that. Like, uh, for me, every, every training module I've done in UIP has been, oh, I heard this from here. Yeah, I'm gonna do a module on that. I had this from there. Oh, I actually, if I add a bit of this random knowledge and connect that, oh, I'm gonna do a module on this. Yeah, I have not taken an evidence-based approach whatsoever anyway. Yeah, but then again, it's a fucking youth organization. Like, what amount of education do you need to go? Like, do you need a fucking bachelor in, like, team building? Like, that doesn't exist in our environment. Like, it's the kind of proof by merit of going through that experience and learning from it and being able to adapt that information into what you do. I mean, I guess there's like teaching degrees. Like if you're very passionate about training and teaching, I don't see EYP, for, for me, I know this is very personal, but for me, EYP is very much about the people and about connecting people and about when I talk to alumni, which I did quite a lot when I was the alumni officer, I remember... I asked a lot of them, like, what do you remember most from EYP? What is your fondest memory? Or what is um, the biggest learning? You know, something in terms of how did EYP impact you? And almost everyone usually mentioned the people, the intercultural sensitivity, the a lot of them actually the English speaking, the public speaking skills. But mostly it was, I learned how to talk to other people from different countries. <laughs> I learned how to cooperate with them. <laughs> I learned that people have different opinions. I never learned people or I never heard people saying like, oh, yes, I learned this intricate theoretical framework on how people are a turtle or a lion. Like it, it, it's just not what sticks with people the most. And that's that's exact. That's why I don't particularly look at the trainings as the most important part of EYP. Then again, I see how you can de- I definitely see how your passions can make it so that you care a lot about the training and about it being fact-based. So mm. I don't want to shit on anyone. And it's also like when you have someone doing their role for the first time, you know, some if without the training, a lot of people would not be able to chair whatsoever. I mean, they still might not be even with the training, but that's all. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Nathan's like, I'm trying to have a serious conversation about trainings here. <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, fucking people suck sometimes. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a trainer, you know? <laughs> it's literally what I do in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that something that was sparked by being an EYP or did you already have it before that? No, it was the EYP stuff because I was like, after EYP, I knew it was, I thought it was going to be leadership. Yeah, let's do leadership. Leadership's awesome. I did leadership in EYP. This shit's cool. Let's do this. I went into that. I was like, oh, there's a leadership scheme at Apple. Let, let's do this shit. So I went there and uh, yeah, no, I then realized, no, not leadership. <laughs> Le- Turns out leadership in EYP is something different than in the real world. What? Who knew, right? Who knew? EYP is not the real world? No. 
get, no, get out gap. of here. There's a gap. Is it, yeah. It's like lead for me now. Leadership is just politics. I was like, yeah, fuck that shit. So instead, I thought, well, I I like the development of people thing, and then I found out that being a trainer was an actual job, and you can get paid for it. And I was like, what? I can do this like training stuff, and people I actually did that pay for me a free salary. all this time. Exactly. Then I started doing that. I was like, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, let's do this. I've also heard of some UI peers doing team building as their job after. Yeah, I mean that's that's the origins of UIP team building is that a professional company used to do it, and then a bunch of UIP a bunch of UIP peers just said, "Actually, we can do that ourselves." <laughs> I think the way that it it happened, obviously, it within the network was a. It was a bit of a power struggle, you know? Like, there's obviously a company involved and then a bunch of members of the network who are like, we can do what they do. I think what they had in mind was very structured work, right? Because they've been experiencing these professionals coming in, team building the entire session, basically, for a weekend. And then, you know, they're like, oh, but what they do, we can do. And then it's like the game of Chinese whispers. 30 years later, (laughs) we're doing abigail at whatever time <laughs> we're just doing conflict games at 6 p.m because <laughs> no one told them might as well eat while you're doing abigail <laughs> get your elaborate three-course dinner that's always standard for eyp sessions elaborate always elaborate but then like at that time as well you also had uh, like chris trip Jonas Drega, and tapio like the three of them and I'm pretty sure there was some more with them who would more or less attend every IS as a trainer. And you would have the continuation of knowledge, of skills transfer, of things going through. And then when they kind of stopped, it was like, well... That's a, that's a really good practice. That's really like having someone, having or a team of trainers at, at least attend every IS. I mean... Ooh. Ooh, we see some uh, opposition. I, I could, like, I enjoyed the idea of having someone like Chris Tripp do that but then I look at the network currently and I cannot looking at the people who would be in that they would would be taking that trophy and carrying that torch I would dislike it he's looking at us right now and he's like ah, 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 ah. like I would not trust these imagine people. Nathan <laughs> at every single life. I don't think Nathan wants to imagine Nathan being an FBI. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See? That would be that would be torture. <laughs> Honestly, I also no, okay, now I'm 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 getting my brain working. I'm getting it going. And I'm thinking there are a couple of people who I don't mind giving trainings at ISs. For me, the new question is there's three ISs in one year, max. Maybe four if Corona fucked up Europe, you know, like then they're like, all right, let's postpone to the next year, whatever. But like generally three per year, NEYP has like four to 500 events in the network. So to me, the question would be sending a trainer to three sessions out of 400. How much of a difference is that going to make in the network? And it's training. Yeah, especially when you have those like people with their top hats being better than everyone in that training <laughs> can always that the ladder people <laughs> ladder people <laughs> yeah 
love that name. It, it would be awesome kind of bringing trainers into more sessions, international sessions, into forums, into all different sessions, is to have a trainer in the room. And when I say a trainer, I mean somebody who's done some kind of learning within learning who's like learned about learning learn how learning actually happens and what are some leading theories about this stuff and how we could apply this and what the impacts of this in the training room is and to help kind of carve whatever the board wants to deliver whatever the editors whatever the hos want to deliver for their teams and work with them to make sure that that's done in a more coherent way uh, yeah i cannot say anything but i I agree. That would be very nice. We were, were we all just lost in, in wishful thinking for a moment or was that just me? Although I'm just here trying to hold myself back like as long as it's decent people. As long as Joel specifically doesn't hate them. We'll put yeah, that as, in long as, I, as long as I've approved their person. No, as long as you haven't disapproved them. I ah, yeah, yeah. That. But that, that that is a shorter list. Even without an external trainer coming in and having to get on his knees and beg for approval from Joel. <laughs> Already love it. Go on. But without that, one thing what we that, that we YPers can do better is working more with that that the president isn't the one who sets up the trainings for the chair team, but like the president, the editor, and the HOs, like together look at what kind of training should we provide for people? Is it possible to get an external person for this? If so, like is that something that can be arranged? Because you have usually you have a whole day for trainings, right? You have a whole CMO, C CMOJ, however you want to call it. And it makes sense to work together on that. There's a lot of skills that overlap. Yeah, and I especially think like the in general the idea of an external trainer, whether that's just an EYP or can be a very useful thing because yeah, doing leadership work is it's enough work with the session by itself. Like having to come up with a coherent training on top of that is just unrealistic in some scenarios. And I think a lot of sessions have I think we used to have a lot more trainings in EYP sessions, but these days maybe it was like a budgetary thing. We were just trying to minimize the amount of officialness and that kind of just fizzled out. And I was like, every one, one session, every blue moon has that. Maybe that's something we should start doing. To be fair, I think the digital era negatively impacted the CMO day. My God, that's a whole, that's a whole conceptual statement. That's a whole debate statement. But the digital era made it very easy for people to say, oh, in the two weeks leading up to the session, we'll have one hour trainings every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so we don't need the CMO day or we can do CMO day shorter or CMO day can be spent getting to know each other. And I mean, if you've first done trainings and then do the getting to know each other, I wonder if that works well. Like if you've already been in trainings with each other, you're getting to know each other already. But I've had sessions where uh, it was supposed to be on site, then it went digital. And then they say, oh, we can shorten CMO day, right? Because you can just do trainings beforehand. And if you carry that on into now going back to on-site sessions, there's now a generation of EYPers who started chairing with maybe two, three, four hours for a CMO day. And they're now going to be, yeah. I've seen sessions that did four hour CMO days just even without that sort of justification for it just because you know arrivals is late and then you have food and you know suddenly you have three hours of training including team building you know have fun that's the classic one it's always oh yeah you can do team building and trainings at the same time right it's like what do you think team building is do you think we're gonna make flashcards together like we're gonna be doing god knows what but definitely not training that's not 
not team building. Or is it? I see Nathan the trainer has been silent. I think before if um, I think we should just not unleash Nathan because we're getting too much content. Obviously you have something you really want to say. No, not anymore. Excellent. Has he been shamed into silence? I have classic joe's always shaming me into silence yeah i'm gonna call the safe court team on you this is not okay yes hello that's like the first pancake you fuck it up a little bit and you try better <laughs> the next time. it's like with your first module or your first sessions first I, I one's hear, a bit messed up i hear people say that about their kids no the first kids like the first pancake because it's always a bit messed up living proof <laughs> exactly are you the first pancake <laughs> I am the first pancake. <laughs> Being a first pancake isn't always bad. As, as in EYP, your first session isn't all bad. It's just there's a lot of learning points. <laughs> and depending on who you are as a person, you will take the learning points on and you will develop or you do the same thing all over again. Who's to say? Probably the latter. I choose the latter. He's like he's fully thinking about the BBCIS two thousand and thirteen. He's like it's a ladder. It's exactly. Ladder. I say that the legal disclaimer team of the BBCIS twenty thirteen. I don't know you. <laughs> At this point in time, I was still doing MUN sessions. Forgive me. <laughs> <gasps> you said she said it again. president and now we're going to talk about what eyp means this is how you continue doing eyp dear delegates the most important person was you the listener it was all of us but we're gonna lie to the listener and say that it was the listener because that's what you do with delegates but the the, the difference between like our listeners and delegates is delegates at least you have to pretend that they're important (laughs) all 10 of them (laughs) 